I'd like to read one verse tonight from Luke chapter 8 and verse 25. The Lord Jesus speaking to his own disciples in that boat in the midst of the storm. And he has calmed it and now he challenges them and he says these words. Where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered saying one to another. What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. What a simple question. Where is your faith? Of course, the Lord Jesus knew the answer to this question. He never asks questions because he doesn't know the answer. It was there to give us a lesson. It was there to give the disciples a profound, significant lesson which they needed to learn. Where is your faith? A pithy, simple, thought-provoking question. There's his disciples. They followed him for one, two years, maybe. He's taught them. He's done countless hundreds of miracles. They've watched him. They know he's genuine. They know his power. They know his authority. And yet when the storm comes, they don't have saving faith. Or maybe if we're being generous, their faith hasn't yet been fully formed, it's not yet grown, they haven't exercised it, they have faith, just a seed, but it hasn't grown, hasn't become strong. Where is your faith? Have you ever asked this question of yourself? I often ask it in my own heart of people here in this congregation. Have you asked yourself, where is your personal faith in Jesus Christ? Some people pretend. They pretend to have an answer and say, yes, I have faith. But when the storm comes, when the test comes, when the waters rise and the wind gets up, There's no faith. There's nothing there. Perhaps that's why the Lord allowed this incident. It's not really just an incident. There's spiritual lessons. The Lord Jesus decided we'll go to the other side of the Lake of Galilee. There was a purpose. There was a reason. He was going to teach the disciples whether they had true faith. And if not, their faith needed to be strengthened. Some people never ask this question. They presume. They either pretend or they presume. Oh, everything will be fine. Everything will be just right. I'm okay, thanks. But they never ask. They just pretend. They might fool their mum or dad. They might be chapel goers. The twelve disciples, that was the little church, wasn't it, really? In its formative state. And one of them, at least, did not have faith then. Judas, 
He fooled the other 11. He didn't fool Christ, but he fooled the other 11. He was in the boat, but he wasn't really part of them. He was deceived. He didn't have true faith. Well, let's look then at this passage tonight. I think we can look at it with spiritual eyes, not just looking at this as a little incident recorded in a few verses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they record it. They give such color and such detail when you put the accounts together. It's really very rich. Well, I want to go to verse 22. Here's our first heading. Many have noticed this before. And then given the spiritual lessons that come from it. Verse 22. And they launched forth. It was the evening. The Lord Jesus has been working relentlessly. The disciples, I'm sure, must have said, look, stop, slow down. In verse 19, his mother and his unbelieving brothers. Did you know that? James, his half-brother, as we call him, didn't believe at this time. And they come to him. And they say to his disciples, we want to talk to him. We're family. Look at what the Lord Jesus says. When he sees them standing there and the message comes, maybe from James or maybe from John or Peter or one of the others, your family are waiting. They want to talk to you. And there's such a crowd they can't get near. And he says something very profound. And I'm sure this message went right back to his brothers and to his mother. And he says to them in a challenging way, do you know you're not really my family? You're not part of my family. Because my real family is not through flesh and blood. My real family is those that hear and do it. Verse 21. They believe. They trust. They hear the word of God. And it doesn't go in one ear and out the other. James, my half-brother, don't you understand? And he wouldn't believe until Christ has died on the cross and shed his blood and rose from the dead. Then the penny would drop. James would believe. So they launched forth. Do you know that's what we do in life, isn't it? I want to speak for two minutes to the young people here tonight. Launching forth. Maybe, I don't know how old you are, you know. And in life it's as though you get into a boat and you know you've got the Lord Jesus because you go to chapel and Sunday school. Oh, Christ is with me and he will guide me and he will help me and so we launch out into life with confidence. But we don't know what's going to happen. 
This was the evening. They launched forth. They didn't know there was a big storm ahead. A gigantic storm. A storm that would put them into jeopardy. Their very life was at danger. And they go forth and they assume that everything will be fine. They're experienced. They're fishermen, some of them. They were mariners. And they launch forth, careful of nothing, assuming everything will be fine. And you know, young people tonight, I hope that's the case, but it might not be. Something might happen in your life, a huge storm. A storm where your very life is threatened. Where eternity comes right before your eyes. And you think to yourself, is this the end? Am I going to die? That's what the disciples thought. They launched forth confidently, assuming everything would be fine. A sunny evening, perhaps. It was calm. The sun had gone down, and everything was beautiful and bright and sunny, and oh, it was a lovely evening. And the Lord was with them, the one that had done so much. And everything seems so fine. Verse 23, but, but, they didn't know. They didn't know what was ahead. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. Everything is serene. The Lord Jesus is so tired. He's been working and laboring. And remember, he's a human being. He has tiredness like we do, and he falls asleep. And there he is in the back of the boat, and everything seems just fine. They're making the progress across the lake, eight miles from one side to the other, 12 miles top to bottom, and there it is set in the beautiful hills in northern Israel, the Sea of Galilee. Do you know in places, the Sea of Galilee, it plunges deep 200 feet. And then, around the rocky shore, do you know, it's if you stand in the middle on one side of the eight miles, you can see on a clear day around the whole of Galilee. It's amazing. Six miles, six miles, you look across, eight miles, and there the Golan Heights rising up two and a half thousand feet. And do you know what happens in the evening after a calm day and the heat has settled and then the temperature drops suddenly, the storms can rise up and all the beauty and all the serenity has gone. And suddenly, the deep blue water and the green hills around in the springtime and the violent storms come. They still happen today. You can go there. This particular location has storms so dramatic that if you're not prepared, even as a fisherman, you can be caught out. Sudden changes and this storm as they sailed, 
he fell asleep and there came down a storm of wind on the lake and the wind gets up and the clouds are dark black and suddenly they empty like a storm burst. What did the disciples think? This is the end. Our lives are gone. We're going to perish. Suddenly, they were unprepared. This was unexpected. This was unwanted. And all the sunshine and the sunset have gone. What goes through their thoughts? Look at him. He's asleep. Doesn't he care for me? Look at him. He doesn't care or we're about to perish. We're all going to die. The boat is filled up. I'm sure they tried to bail it out. The sails are ripped. The oars have gone over. Oh, there's nothing left to do. All hope is gone. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in that storm? They'd given up. They'd thrown all their tackle, all the wheat, all the provisions they had, and they cast themselves on the tide there in Acts 27, 28. And here the disciples, another famous storm. The Bible has lots of storms. Amidst a journey. And there, what do they do? There's no hope. Oh, there is. We must wake him. We must speak to him. Here's the cry. The cry when all else has failed. The cry when there's no other hope. And they stir themselves and they come to him in the back of the boat and they say, Master, Master, we perish. We're going to die. There's going to be a loss of life. Don't you care? Is that somebody tonight? Maybe not today. Maybe this year. Maybe in ten years' time. This message will come back to you. You're in deep, deep water. Up a creek with no paddle, as people say. Nothing left to do. Except to call. Master. Master. That's all we can do, isn't it? Sometimes the Lord leaves us. Do you know, he knew there was a storm. Was he actually asleep? I don't know. It says he was. It says he fell asleep. And then they wake him. I don't know what happened. But he hears their words. A desperate cry. Master, Master, Lord, Rabboni. Master, we perish. And you know the Lord always hears a cry like that. That will never fall on deaf ears. Whenever we call out to God in prayer and pray with desperation, we pray and ask for the Lord's help. So secondly, they launched forth and they wake him. They wake him up. What's he going to do? Is he going to hear them? Is he going to stay asleep? No, 
The Lord of glory can't do that when everybody calls out, when anybody calls out, when the desperate sinner cries out, the Lord always, always hears the storm of life comes. And the Lord allows this. Has there been a storm in your life? I'm sure there has somebody here tonight. Maybe you've got in trouble with the law. Maybe you've got trouble in the family. Maybe there's a death. We've thought about death this week. Two funerals in this church in one week. I don't know how often that's happened. Coming face to face with our own mortality. And that's what the disciples did. There's only one thing to do. Master. Master. We perish the death of a loved one, some tragedy, the need for surgery. You didn't expect that. And the Lord allows these things to happen, a family crisis, and suddenly I'm no longer in control. The disciples, they couldn't do anything. They can't row, they can't put up the sails. All they can do is cry out, Master. Master, and the Lord hears them. Isn't that lovely? The Lord will always hear a faintive plea. He hears. The boat is filled. They were in deep water. The sails are ripped. And the Lord Jesus stirs. Have you gone to the Master? Have you called out to him? Are you waiting for another tragedy, another difficulty, another problem? Or will you cry tonight, Master, Master, it's evening time. Is it the evening of your life? Is it the evening of your opportunity? Call out, Master, Master. Thirdly, he arose. He always does. He arose. Where's the power? It was in a word. Peace, be still. It doesn't say it in this gospel. It says it in one another. Three words in English. Peace, be still. Isn't there that chorus that says that even the winds and the waves obey him? Have you obeyed? The winds which Christ allowed to rise up. And yet you who he's created, you've not yet obeyed the Savior. Three words, peace, be still. The power in God's word, let there be light. And there was light. Do you remember when he said to the paralytic man, Arise, your sins be forgiven you. Get up. Do we believe the word of God? If even the wind and the waves obey him, shouldn't we obey? And there was calm. Verse 24. He arises, he speaks the word, and the winds and the waves obey him. Why not us? That young person, again, I'm not talking to you very personally. I'm talking to all of you. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth.
Have you obeyed him? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And there was calm. Do you notice he acts first? He takes action. He says the word. He doesn't test them first. He first gives the answer to prayer before he challenges them. Isn't that lovely? The Lord isn't like that. He's not unkind. He gives us the answer before we've really even prayed. And there was calm. Now the question. Let's ask this question. Where is your faith? We can say this as Christians tonight. Sometimes our faith is low, it's weak. At the time we need to exercise faith in God's word and trust him, we don't. We turn to everything else and we don't trust him. Do you know if the Lord is with us, nothing can happen. If Christ is in the vessel, none can come to harm. They didn't believe his word. They didn't believe his authority. They didn't believe that none can touch them. He's got to go to Calvary. He's got to die. They are the church. None can touch them. And yet they doubted. Their faith had not yet grown. It wasn't deep faith. It was embryonic faith. Maybe there's somebody here tonight. You have got faith. Of course you have. You do believe. And you need to say, Help thou my unbelief. These poor disciples, they haven't yet put all their faith, sufficient to trust that all will be well. They haven't yet. They're trusting their experience. They're trusting the fact that they've got fishermen in the boat. And instead of trusting in Christ, they trust themselves, and now all hope has gone. But their time hasn't come. The Lord has got work for them to do. They're going to become apostles. They're going to become pastors and prophets, and the church is going to be built. God has a greater plan. And so, we can ask this question again tonight. Where is your faith. Do you know it's not the strength of your faith that counts? Nobody has faith to save. The faith we need is the faith in the truth of God's word and the faith that his power is sufficient to save. We need faith not in self but in Christ who is worthy of your faith. Where is your faith tonight? Christ could, in one word, save them, rescue them. And he can do it for you tonight. All you need to do is call out, Master, Master, I perish. I die without Christ. I die without the forgiveness of my sin. I perish in a lost eternity if you won't hear my voice tonight. That's all we do when we come for salvation. We say, Lord, I perish. Lord, give me the faith to believe.
There is judgment ahead. Somebody said to me this week, we don't speak often enough about the day of judgment, the day of reckoning, the great accounting day, the day when the storm happens, the greatest storm ever. On that great day, all will be revealed. Sometimes in the storms of life, not everything is revealed. But on the day when Christ comes as judge, everything will be revealed. You remember the two houses, one built on the rock, one built on the stand, on the sand, and they stood, I don't know how long, five years, ten years. And then the storm comes. One day the great storm will come. The day of judgment, the day of reckoning. And all will be revealed. Where is your faith tonight? Do you have faith? Is it small faith? Is it private faith? Is it secret faith? Or oh, come with the disciples and call out to the Master who says, Where is your faith? Look at their response. They were afraid, you know, whenever we come face to face with Christ, whenever we've really understood who he is, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the only Savior, the only hope on the day of judgment, we will be afraid. But that fear will turn into a godly fear that says, he is my Savior, he is my Lord. What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Just go back to verse 16. Why did we read this? No man, when he's lit a candle, hides it. Do you have the candle of faith? Is the faith in your heart? Has that light come if you have that light, put it on a hill. Put it on a candlestick. Show the world. Tell everybody. He is my light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. Where's your light? Where's your faith? Has it been revealed? Have you declared it? There is no secret disciple on the day of judgment. We must come first and we must declare what Christ has done for our souls. We must trust in him. Where is your faith? My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Father, we are searched by this simple question tonight. We pray that we would know if we have true saving faith, which is not our own. It is a gift, and all we have to do is exercise it, to trust Christ who is in the vessel.
whose word has power. O Lord, help us tonight. We pray that we would speak well of him. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.